welcome to the Everybody Podcast. Here, we'll dive into all things health and mindset to help you learn to push past your limits into a life you can be obsessed with. My name is Cassie, and I'm a personal trainer and health coach focused on guiding you toward being your healthiest, happiest self. So buckle up and let's dive in. Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Everybody Health and Mindset Podcast. This is Cassie, your host, and we are back for another week of discussing gut health. And today, as promised, I am bringing you some more information on kind of what to eat and what not to eat when and if you think you might have a gut health issue. Now, I want to preface this episode by saying that If you have a gut health issue or you think you might have a gut health issue, to make sure that you're not necessarily just going about this all alone, right? So that doesn't mean listen to Cassie's episode and then stop eating all these foods because you think that they're causing you gut problems. (laughs) Um, I think that if you truly feel like you want to start down the journey of improving your gut health, that you need to reach out to somebody that is resourceful and knowledgeable and able to help you through this journey. One of those things would be obviously seeing um, uh, your doctor or someone along those lines, maybe a naturopath could help as well. Um, Or you could definitely reach out to me. I am working on a gut health protocol right now that is formulated by registered dietitians and all laid out for you. And so that's an option as well. But you don't want to just kind of go at it without really knowing what you're doing. You need a little guidance um, from somebody who is knowledgeable, right? So I want to preface that and I will continue saying this throughout the episode. Just because I'm saying this could affect some people doesn't mean it's necessarily affecting you or that you should go stop eating a whole bunch of foods or completely flip your diet on its head right away, right? Um, And so let's get into it. We are going to start talking about things that could potentially be causing harm to your gut. And again, remember we talked about Um, maybe signs or symptoms that you're having some gut health issues would be things like low mood or low energy, um, acne or skin conditions, bloating, a lot of gas, diarrhea, constipation, discomfort with eating, um, things like that. Now, of course, those could be caused by other things too. So we just want to make sure we're finding some balance here. But we're going to talk about irritable bowel syndrome, which is something that, you know, kind of over the past, I don't know, a few decades has become a thing. Um, And irritable bowel syndrome is kind of a term given to people who are having irritation in their bowels, right? It could be that maybe you're on the diarrhea end or maybe you're on the other end. And it's something that doctors like to just throw medication at versus trying to discover what is causing this irritable bowel syndrome, right? It actually affects up to one in in 10 adults, but it's two and a half times more common in women than men. So seven out of every 10 people with IBS are actually females, So again, if you are a female and have some of these symptoms going on, you're probably more likely to benefit maybe from some gut um, alterations, (laughs) if I could put it that way. But there are some things that people with gut health issues um, 
maybe have more in common sensitivities to, and we're not going to cover all of these today. We're going to cover a few of them, but it's dairy, gluten, corn, artificial sweeteners, highly processed soy, and alcohol. So we're going to talk about a few of these today and why they might potentially be irritating somebody's gut. So we'll start with dairy, and it's really not dairy specifically, it's really the lactose that is in dairy products. So lactose is actually a naturally occurring sugar, and our bodies make something called lactase, and this actually breaks down the lactose. So we consume lactose, and then our gut has to produce this lactase to break it down and be able to get through it. Um, But consuming large amounts of dairy slash lactose can actually cause the production of lactase to slow down, then causing lactose intolerance. And this causes bloating, diarrhea, inflammation in the gut, etc. And what's interesting is that as we get older, our lactase production reduces naturally as well. So it kind of answers that question of like, how could I be lactose intolerant? I've had dairy my whole life, right? But it is something that's actually kind of common as people age and get a little bit older, um, that it can become an irritant to our digestive system, right? Uh, The next one is gluten, and gluten is such a hot topic, and I'm definitely not sitting here saying stop eating gluten, right, all of a sudden, um, I don't recommend necessarily cutting out gluten for weight loss or anything like that. But if you have a sensitivity to gluten, it can be causing big, big problems in your gut, right? So just kind of keeping in mind, again, what I said at the beginning, um, you know, to make sure that if you're going to go about this gut health journey, you're doing it safely and appropriately. But Gluten can cause inflammation when consumed by individuals that have gluten-sensitive genes, okay? And this will set off kind of a cascade of events in the body. Now, gluten sensitivity does not mean, or like dairy or lactose sensitivity does not mean that you are allergic to it, right? So there's a difference. You can go get an allergy test and not be allergic to it but a sensitivity is different than an allergy, right? So it's not going to like send you to the hospital if you consume it, but it does cause these irritations inside of your gut and your um, intestinal tract that could eventually lead to something um, that could potentially, right, send you to the doctor. So when If you have a gluten sensitivity and you consume gluten, you, number one, will start creating an overactivity in your immune system, which is where the inflammation comes from, right? My immune system starts getting kicked up and it starts sending out all these signals to try to figure out what the heck's going on, and that causes inflammation, and that travels throughout the body. It also disrupts the balance of beneficial gut bacteria, right? So, it will disrupt that balance of having good gut health or good gut bacteria and that pathogenic or bad gut bacteria. And then it triggers your body's stress response, which also causes inflammation, right? So when you're sensitive to gluten and you consume it, your immune system kind of goes nuts and then it throws off the balance of that gut bacteria again. Now, there is a title um, of a collection of diseases called inflammatory bowel diseases. The most common is Crohn's disease, which you've probably heard about, and you know that people that have Crohn's absolutely cannot eat gluten, right? They have a very severe gluten um, sensitivity or allergy, we could say. And then there's also ulcerative colitis, 
And those are included in that inflammatory bowel disease umbrella, but there are also a lot of other diseases that are included in that umbrella as well and could be caused from consuming gluten when you are gluten sensitive. So mouth ulcers or canker sores is actually a result of having inflammatory bowel disease, okay? So, and then consuming that gluten, right? Um, GERD is another one, diverticulitis, and then hemorrhoids is another one. So there, those are a few things, again, that could come from consuming gluten when you have a gluten sensitivity. So ulcers of the mouth, GERD, which is really just that chronic acid reflux, um, also esophagitis, which is inflammation of your esophagus, then diverticulitis, and again, those hemorrhoids go right along with that. So if you have a gluten sensitivity, and gluten and dairy are two of the more common um, sensitivities that people will have if they're having gut issues. Um, and so those are usually one of the first two things that you will start eliminating if you're going through an elimination diet, which is something that I'm working on right now with myself. Um, the next thing, we'll just quickly touch on artificial sweeteners. So there's a lot of studies being done with artificial sweeteners. And in general, Artificial sweeteners have been shown to be quote-unquote safe to use, right? But there is more and more research being done with artificial sweeteners, and they could be playing a factor in the development of Crohn's disease in susceptible individuals. So in people that may have otherwise um, had you know, the beginnings of that Crohn's disease, these artificial sweeteners actually could be a factor in kind of flipping that switch to actually developing the Crohn's disease. And researchers really think that artificial sweeteners could be altering our gut microbacteria. Researchers are also discovering that use of artificial sweeteners, especially a high use of artificial sweeteners, could actually not only be altering our gut microbacteria, but also contributing to glucose intolerance. And that can eventually lead to type 2 diabetes. So again, continued research is being done on this topic to be able to learn more and see if it is something we should be paying closer attention to. But again, it may be a recommendation, and it is, in fact, in the program that I'm following, to reduce or completely eliminate those artificial sweeteners and also work on that added sugar, right? Reducing the amount of added sugar you consume in a day. Now, the last one we'll really get deep into is alcohol. So alcohol really, we know, can have a significant negative effect on our bodies, but really it has a negative effect on the healthy bacteria in our colon, right? And this is important because chronic alcohol intake actually reduces the variety and number of different species of bacteria in our gut. And we will talk on this a little bit more, but variety, variety, variety is what we are looking for. We are looking for our gut to be full of all different kinds of bacteria. And consuming alcohol, even one drink, affects the bacteria in that microbiome. So the change is called dysbiosis, and it's really detrimental to our gut health and our overall health. And it's also been linked to several types of cancer, including 
bowel cancer, breast cancer, liver, pancreatic, throat cancer, and mouth cancer. But specifically, we'll look at that bowel cancer or colon cancer, and alcohol can be a link between developing that cancer and the consumption of alcohol. And according to the Cancer Council, alcohol consumption is linked to more than 5,000 cases of cancer each year in Australia. This was an Australian study, but lots of studies have shown that the risk of developing colon cancer actually increases with, with each and every glass of alcohol you have, like just one, one beer, one glass of wine. Um, all kinds of different alcoholic beverages have also been tested and really just show similar, similar results. And so reducing or eliminating your alcohol intake is, again, a really, really great thing that you can do for your gut without having to go talk to a doctor or do anything at all, right? I think we can all agree the less alcohol we consume, the healthier our body is, right? All right, so let's move on to food that is good for your gut. And we're going to talk about something called the Big 30. And this is like really hot in the gut health world and research right now. And if you look up any research that's been done recently on gut health, most of them point to people with the healthiest gut microbiomes consume at least 30 different types of plants every single week. Yes, I said 30 different types of plants every single week. So what that does for us is it feeds all the different types of bacteria that are in our microbiome, right? We have trillions of microbes living in our gut, and all of them need different types of plant food, plant foods, say that 10 times fast, um, plant foods to flourish, to live, to grow, to continue being healthy. So for good gut health, the goal is really diversity. It's mixing it up. It's, it's consuming as many different kinds of plants as you can in a week. And the minimum should be 30 different plant-based foods. Um, the more diverse that you eat, uh, the more diverse the microbes are in your gut and you can feed them. And what studies have shown is people that it, that eat at least 30 different plants a week have a significant increase in diversity in their gut microbes than people who ate less than 10. So it's not necessarily like black and white. 30 is like that magic number. But if you're someone who is barely consuming five at this point, you could give yourself a goal of 10 and work up from there, just like we would with anything else, any other um, thing that we're trying to change for the better, right? But the more diverse plant foods that we feed our gut, then our microbes can be happy and flourish and we will have more diverse skills, right? So our microbes, they do something. Those microbacteria, they, they have jobs. They have skills to do. They train our immune cells. They increase our resilience to infection. They strengthen our gut barrier. They communicate with our brain, right? We talked about that in our last episode. They balance our blood sugar. They lower our blood fats, and they help prevent against so many different diseases and cancers, right? And so... That diversity of food is so, so, so important. And I know your next question is, okay, well, what counts as a plant? Is it only fruits and veggies? And the answer is no. Um, there's lots of other things we eat that are plant-based. So yes, fruits, vegetables, then you're thinking about your whole grains, right? And even if you're reducing gluten, there's still other whole grains that you can consume. Um, legumes like beans, 
and nuts and seeds. Also, herbs and spices count. Um, herbs and spices are kind of like a quarter of one. So if you have four different herbs or spices in a meal, that counts as one. Um, so all of those things count as plants that you are consuming. Um, so today I'm not going to say eat this kind of plant or that kind of plant or this fruit is better or that fruit or veggie is better because in this case, it's really not. The diversity is what's more important than specifics. Now there is some research that points to eating in season, right? That our gut our gut microbiome actually changes with the seasons, which makes perfect sense when you think about people that tend to get a little more depressed or down in the winter. And if our gut microbiome is changing during that time, that's a time that we really need to step it up and feed it more diverse plants, right? <laughs> but um, eating with the change in season might match the change in gut in your season. So that's pretty interesting too, and obviously more research continuing to be done. The other thing we'll talk about is naturally fermented foods, like pickled things. Um, kombucha is a fermented drink that you can have. These foods actually have probiotics, live bacteria in them, which can be essential to your gut health as well. So you can totally just go online and look up fermented foods and see what's in there. It's not like a huge list of things, but if you are buying um, fermented foods from the store. Make sure that it says naturally fermented because sometimes people will f try to ferment foods in vinegar, which doesn't um, include the addition of those probiotics. So if you're eating food that's pickled in vinegar only, it's not going to contain those probiotics that you want. Um, something that I've been doing is just adding in kombucha that has zero grams of added sugar in it. And three to five times a week is what you're kind of looking for for fermented you know, supplementation. Three times a week up to five times a week would be really great addition for your gut health. And drinking plenty of water, 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 here we are again, has been shown to have beneficial effects on the mucosal lining of your intestines. And it helps balance the good bacteria in your gut. So staying hydrated is a really simple, simple, easy way that you can do hundreds of good things for your body. But here we are again talking about drinking your water for your gut health. So remember, water should be half your weight in ounces. So if you weigh 150 pounds, 75 ounces of water is your goal. If you weigh 200 pounds, 100 ounces of water is your goal. And people say, are you sure? That's a lot of water. Yes, I'm sure. It is a lot of water and your body needs it. Your brain needs it. Your gut needs it. Your skin needs it. You need to drink water. Drink lots and lots of water. So let's recap. Things that you can start adding in right now without removing anything is lots and lots of plants, fruits, veggies, grains, legumes, nuts, seeds, herbs, spices, a high variety. Try to get 30 different plants into your system every week. Start adding in fermented foods three to five times a week and drink your water. <laughs> now, if you think you might have a sensitivity to something like dairy or gluten, um, that's something that you could definitely 
work through and discover. So that's something that I'm working on right now is reducing my dairy and gluten intake. There will be a period of time where I reintroduce these things and see if any symptoms return. If they do, that's just a good, you know, thing that just tells me like, okay, you might have a sensitivity to this. Now, sometimes we may become sensitive to these things and we may not stay that way forever. So doing something like this gut health protocol that I am working on right now that cuts these things out for a little while. And then I'm adding in that diversity of plants and fermented foods and lots of water and stress reduction. We didn't even touch on that, but stress reduction and sleep hygiene and all this stuff may help kind of reset that gut a little bit to where those sensitivities can reduce or even be eliminated. So If you are listening to this on release day, which will be Monday, April 25th, 2022, my private gut health protocol group is starting their prep week today, the day that I release this. If you've been thinking about jumping in and you haven't, I would highly recommend you reach out to me in the next couple of days so I can help get you on track and get started on that first Monday of May, um, where I will be leading another group of women through this awesome gut health protocol that is doing wonders for me and so many other people. Um, that have tried it and gone through it. So if that's something you're interested in, you know how to find me. I will link all my socials and my email in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming back and showing up again and listening and sharing. Um, It really means a lot to me that you're here and that you're continuing to listen and love this podcast. I've gotten a lot of great feedback. Remember, I'm always open to feedback or suggestions for topics or, you know, other things like that. So always reach out to me if you have any questions about anything, and hopefully I can help point you in the right direction. I would love to hear from any of you listeners anytime. So feel free to hit me up on that social media, and I will talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me that you are here. It would be amazing for you to share this episode on social media and tag me in it. Can't wait to be back next time. Talk soon.